Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome to another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. Today, it's about motherhood and the choice to be or not to be a mother. My guest today is a Los Angeles fashion entrepreneur who has established herself as a voice for women in the world regarding her decision to live a child-free life. Bree Seeley, through her own personal commitment to not live life boxed in, as well as her fashion and other projects, inspires women to balance out how they define themselves versus how society defines us. I'm so happy that she has taken the time out of her busy schedule to sit down and chat with me, and it is with pleasure that I welcome her to the show. Bree, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, good to have you, good to have you. I always tell people I appreciate the time they make for uh, for me, so uh, just good to have you. Um, you know, Bree, I want to uh, talk about this decision that you've made, and you clearly made it at a young age, and I'm sure yeah. it, it per- per- perplexed a lot of people, you know, to be such a youngster <laughs> saying these kinds of things, but you decided uh, you did not want to have children. and. Yeah. When when were you starting? About what age do you recall you started to feel this way? I mean, I think I started actively like vocalizing it probably around high school or so. But um, my mom does. She and I have talked over it a lot over the past month, and she said she remembers conversations of me when I was a very little girl, like sitting in the back seat of the car, being like, "I don't ever want to be a mommy," <laughs> or you know. So it's kind of something for me that has just kind of been innate to who I am forever. Okay. So, okay. Now, do you think, um, I mean, just give us your, your feelings. Is it because maybe you don't like kids or you had your career focus or it just didn't fit in your life? I mean, how do, why is the decision to not have kids? What is that about? I mean, I think, like I said initially, I think it was like, it's just part of who I am. But, you know, also looking at it on a deeper level, I also believe that, You know, there are things that I want for my life and in my life that I just don't think would be, I don't think I'd be as able to do what I want to do with my life if I had children. Okay, okay. Now, just curious, because there are women out there, I guess, that are kind of balancing both things. Yes. So what makes it, what makes it different for you, do you feel, than the other women that are doing it? Um, I just know myself well enough to really identify with the fact that <laughs> I, you know, I, I like to do things. I'm kind of an all or nothing person and yeah. that's kind of always been my personality. Um, and so for me, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to dedicate what I'm, my time that I'm dedicating to my fashion brand or my new book launch or any of these things you know, if I was dedicating all of myself to a child. And so I kind of look at my contribution to the world being on a broader scale as opposed to just, you know, one small being that I'm influencing or impacting or, you know, loving in a day. I get to do that on a broader scale. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Now, I'm sure, you know, the first and foremost people that we usually have in our lives are the family around us. So, you know, as a youngster or a young person, when you kind of walk into the kitchen one day and say, you know, you know what, I don't think I want to have children, you know, maybe mom and, and I'm not sure dad, we're kind of sitting there like, huh, what? I mean, what is the initial feedback 
uh, when you, you announced this to the people around you? You know, my mom's always been supportive of everything I do. I mean, even yesterday I called her and I was like, oh, I have this business trip coming up to Phoenix. And she called me this morning and said, I've booked my ticket and I'm going to be your assistant for the week. Oh, okay. So she's, you know, without me ever asking or even requesting it of her, she's always been 100% supportive and behind everything I do. Um, so, you know, but also, too, I think it didn't really come as a surprise to her just knowing me and and knowing that you know, what I want out of life and all these things. So she's been really, really supportive of me. And, you know, my grandma's the other one that kind of helped raise me. And I've been a little hesitant about telling her because (laughs) she comes from a different generation and, and there's, there's different things that kind of come into play. And so I kind of hinted at it, but never really outwardly told her until my article came out about a month ago. And then my mom uh, it's funny, you know, she supports me more than anyone too. So she's said the same thing, like, you know, not all women are meant to have children. And if you know that about yourself, great. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. You, and uh, you mentioned, you know, your mother's from a, a different, I mean, your grandmother's from a different generation. Um, I also want to mention that I know you're currently in Los Angeles, but that's not where you're originally from, yes. correct? Yeah. I grew up in the Midwest, which is also a very like, you know, most of my girlfriends from college have been married for over 10, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not 10 years already, but maybe eight years. And a lot of them are going on their third children right now. Wow. And so, like, that's the culture I come from. You know, I even still, one of my family members said to my mom at a gathering, like, when is she moving back to the Midwest so she can get married <laughs> and start having children? So mom, like, that's- mom is like, no, there's something else out there for me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, like, that's <laughs> definitely the mentality and, and the culture that I come from. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, the articles definitely got given me a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you know, everyone in my life is super supportive. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, I mean. Okay. I mean, you know, like I, when I first read that you were from the Midwest, I was like, man, she just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb when she was <laughs> making these announcements. Like, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just forge my own way. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes, you know, with all things in life, family is, is the most pressure that we receive. You know, they're kind of, you know, okay. And especially when you're doing the childhood thing, it's like, oh, it's just a phase. You know, yeah, she yep. wants to play piano this week. And, oh, she wants to be a vet this week. And, yep. you know, maybe the whole I don't want to have a child thing is just a temporary phase so you know I was just wondering if there was like some sort of in the back of their mind like okay you know this is just this moment in time she'll grow out of it kind of thing I don't know I've always been a very determined like if I say something if something comes out of my mouth it's usually very well thought out (laughs) and very very you know there's a lot of passion or or planning behind it and so you know my mom doesn't she questions me a few times uh (laughs) but she doesn't really like underestimate my ability to like go 100% through with exactly what I say I'm going to do. So. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. So, um, curious, are, do you have brothers and sisters? I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me. So she's 21 and actually finishing up her final semester of college right now. Okay. Has she, she talking, following in your footsteps? or? She's I don't know. She had to take a class that was uh, in college. She took a parenting class that was called, like, what to expect when you're expecting or something. Uh-huh. And uh, apparently she had to watch a bunch of live births. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I don't know how convinced I am anymore that I would want children. So, Maybe I'll do what Bree did. I don't think I like yeah. the looks of that. Oh, okay. But okay. no, she's definitely much more of like, you know, I left Minnesota the second I could. 
And okay. she's definitely much more of a, a homebody. She'll, you know, she'll probably stay in Minnesota and have a family. And so, you know, we're very different, but we get along very well. So she supports me and cool, I support cool. her. Cool, cool. Did you go to college in Minnesota? Um, yeah, I went to college in North Dakota. Okay. So, and, oh, North Dakota. Okay. And you studied what in North Dakota? Fashion design. Okay, okay. So what was, you know, because a lot of times, you know, females go off to college and it's the whole time you get into the the first exposure to the serious, committed relationship and girls yeah. are trying to find husbands and yes. you know, settle down <laughs> and all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure your girlfriends around you were like, okay, Brie, what's really going on here? I mean, yeah, how, I mean. I was in a sorority in college, and so I was, you know, surrounded by women all the time that I'm, I still speak with on a regular basis. I'm going out for drinks with one of them tonight who happens to be in town. Um, but, yeah, it definitely was different. I mean, I had my first serious relationship in college as well, but I always kind of knew, you know, he would always talk about how he wanted to be a dad, and I would always talk about how I did not want to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And so we would have these conversations, and he would be like, well, you know, you'll change your mind. And mm-hmm. I would look at him and be like, do you want to wager your <laughs> happiness on me changing my mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the end, I left him. I mean, I had to because I knew it was it's funny. He had his first child right around the time that I was having my surgery. Oh. And so, you know, I always kind of knew that while I loved him and, and, and respected him and still do think he's an amazing man, like, we're just we just weren't meant to be together because that's something that was so important to each of us respectively. How long did that relationship last? We were together on and off, I think for like three years. Okay, okay. Two and a half, three years. So, so you, you you bring up a an interesting dynamic. So that particular relationship didn't um, work out. Did you find moving on after him, feeling the way you felt was dating very difficult for you? Um, you know, I kind of fell into a few relationships, but just like, you know, I met someone and then all of a sudden, like we were dating and, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think that I necessarily was as conscious of, of looking for someone that was compatible. I don't know. It, it's, I definitely was, you know, in a few relationships that obviously didn't work out. I'm single. Um, but now that I'm dating, you know, I'm much more aware of it and much more conscious of it. And honestly, like. I've gone out on a few dates lately and I'm almost like, not that I make them, but they find my article before they, you know, so I had one guy ask me out and he said, I want to let you know, I read your article. Would you like to go out for a drink tonight? (laughs) And so now I I was joking with my mom. I was like, maybe I should put it on like a business card, put the link on a business card and be like, if you're interested in me, read this first. Oh, too funny. But, you know, there's, there's kind of like this, I mean, for me, for me, that would be this kind of mental hesitation because I would say, okay, is this guy trying to date me because he knows there's no risk involved or is right. it because he's really trying to get to know me? So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, just for me, that would be my, yeah. my kind of like hesitation sometimes because. Yeah. And I definitely like, I take my time, you know, I'm not, while I would love to have a partner in life, I'm not looking to jump into anything right now. And so, you know, I definitely take my time and um, get to know them. But I'm also very upfront because I don't want that to be, you know, maybe six months down the road and have them be like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of a balance for me. Okay. Okay. So. And you, you've mentioned a couple of times your, your article, and, and I want to bring that up real quick before we 
take a break. You wrote an article for the Huffington Post, and how long yes. ago was that? It got published middle of August, beginning or middle of August. Okay, okay. And what was the response to that? It uh, blew up. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had so much hesitation and so much fear writing it because, you know, while I'm very open about it, it's not something that I go around. Like, I'd never commented on it publicly on Facebook. Like, I'd never announced it anywhere. People personally knew, but um, that was the first time I publicly was like, that I did this. Mm. And so I was terrified. And all of a sudden, it like hit 100,000 likes and hit 150,000 likes. And I got a call from the Today Show. And it was just like, it blew up. So Wow. Wow. So most of the comments, would you say, were people were very supportive or, you know, I'm glad you, you know, I feel the same way you do or, you know, what was... It was a mixed bag, definitely, of course. You know, there were a lot of women that were really great and like, you know, oh my gosh, I had the same surgery and I've never been able to tell anyone or talk to anyone about it. Or I want to have the surgery and I I thought I was the only one out there. Or like, so it's been a lot of that. But then I also got the comment that was like, you're going to die alone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was definitely a mixed (laughs) bag of, you know, people having their opinions. Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more Brie right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Today I am with uh, Miss Bree Seeley. She is a fashion entrepreneur who uh, at a young age made a decision that she wanted to um, forego motherhood and focus on uh, her life and career. And, uh, you know, we were at the point leading up to college years and and the surgery. And I, I kind of want to backtrack, I guess, I think. Um how how old were you when you actually did have your surgery? I was 29. 29. And um, had it been something you had been trying to get for a while or did it just, you know, woke up that day and like I'm going down here to get uh-huh. it? <laughs> no, I asked every single year at my annual appointment, I would ask uh, my doctor if I could, you know, get a consultation appointment with someone that would perform the surgery. And she would tell me every single year from the age of 23 to the age of 29, nope, no one will do it for you because you're not old enough and here's all the risks they perceive about you suing them and here's all the concerns that they would have and no doctor would do it for you. Mm. And so for me, it was like, uh, you know, I was in my first career and, and wanting to not necessarily spend money on a lot of things that weren't necessary. And so I was like, well, I can either you know, pay to have this consultation where someone's going to tell me no, or I can just trust her and wait it out a few years. Um, but by the age of 29, I actually got a letter in the mail from the insurance company and found out it was covered. And so just took it upon myself to call, do the research I needed to do, call and make a consultation appointment, did it. Um, the doctor said she would do it for me. And I think it was like six weeks later, I had the procedure done. Okay. Okay. Now, um, is it that since you were so young and I guess you had no kids, is it just the doctor's preference to not perform the surgery or yeah. are there legal things that hinder them from performing the surgery? No, for the most part, it's preference. I mean, I even have, I have a girlfriend that's older than me. I think she's, I think she's 33 or 34 and her doctor won't do it because he keeps telling her that it's a woman's place to have children. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's definitely a doctor's preference. I mean, they'll, they'll cite, you know, not wanting to get sued if I change my mind as a reason they won't do it. But for the most part, it's preference. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking, you know, if you're going to perform the surgery, you're, you're going to sign away, you know, that I yep. understand all of this. I know what I'm doing and yada, yada, yada. So that would release the doctor from liability. Um, yeah. so, you know, it does come down to, yeah, you know, it does come down to this doctor, you know, making, personal decisions on your life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on the flip, you know, let's give some, there are some young people that make decisions that 10 years, 15 years down the road, right. they do kind of like, mm, that's not really what I wanted. And, yeah. um, you yeah. know, so I, I guess both sides of the coin, I can't understand, but, you know, you seem to be one that was just so, so adamant about it every year yeah. consistently. And, you know, at some point it's like, okay, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely went in like very well prepared. I brought my journal with me. You know, I was very well armed with, you know, if I did change my mind, there's 153 million orphans in the world. Gotcha. So, you know, if I do change my mind, would it be better for me to have one of my own or would it be better to give opportunity to a life that might not have it? Okay. So, okay. you know, I definitely went in and, and really psyched myself up to not be <laughs> emotional about it and like presented my case. And, you know, I think it was like a, it was a pretty quick appointment and she was like, she was like, yeah, you seem very well thought out and very articulate, sure in what you want in your life and very, you know, and, uh, we'll schedule it for you. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was sort of a relief. You go from yes. year after year after year of no to all of a sudden, um, Okay, yes. Now, let me ask this, though. The, the doctor that was telling you no, 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 was it a female doctor? Yes, they both are. They both were. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so, and you said you had the surgery, you finally had the surgery at what age? 29. Okay, 29. And, um, and like you mentioned, but you you are open to possibly maybe if something in your mindset changes to adopting. So, yeah. Okay, so motherhood is like not completely off the table for you. Well, I mean, I say that as, I mean, I guess I say it more as like a, you know, people are like, well, what, what happens if you, <laughs> if you change your mind? You know, like I am very mothering to, you know, my models when I, when I work with runways and my, my interns and, you know, all that stuff. Like, so I, I don't know, I view motherhood as much more than just, you know, having a child or gotcha. those kinds of things. So for me, um, you know, I really don't think I will change my mind. Maybe, maybe the universe will surprise me. Who knows? Gotcha. But, um, you know, that's kind of my standard answer just to kind of get people to leave me alone, I guess. I got you. Now, you know, I, I'm a mother myself. I have a daughter and, um, when she was three years old, me and my late husband, we made the decision as a couple to not have any more. So I went myself and got my tubes tied. And I always tease people now that she's 19 and she's off in college, like, ooh, I love kids, but, you know, like, as long as their parents come and pick them up, like, my my patience is, you know, my patience is kind of like, oh, I don't know. So yep. I just want do you do you feel like a bonding with children or you just, you just don't like them or – um, I mean, I've never really allowed myself to bond with children that much, you know, I mean, even with my sister being 10 years younger than me, she and I didn't really start developing a relationship until she was until I was maybe like 22. Mm -hmm. And she was 12. And so like, I have great friends who have great kids, and I spend time with them. And, 
you know, went to visit a, a girlfriend a few weeks ago who just had a baby and, you know, I, I hold the babies and stuff. I just, I've never really, I guess, given myself the opportunity to truly bond with a child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, could I do it? Probably. Have I done it? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay. So you were the girl back when you were little and the kids were the other young girls were playing with their Barbie dolls. You did what with your dolls? Well, I played Barbies still, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, I never really played babies or, I, you know, my, my Barbies were never necessarily like mommies or I don't know. I just, it was a different, it was a different thing for me, I guess. I mean, I had a, I had a cabbage patch doll and whatever, but I don't know. It just wasn't, that wasn't, I've, I've really truly never had that like deep desire, like mothering instinct desire. Gotcha, gotcha. So. You know, I, I don't think that people really understand the whole doll industry is really about grooming females to become mothers, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's very interesting how you kind of, even at a young age, the doll thing was, that wasn't for you. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny too. Obviously, I didn't do it purposefully or consciously when I was that age, but like looking back on it now, it's like, wow, like this is really something that's just been a part of me like forever. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's not something that I woke up one day and was like, oh, maybe I won't ever be a mom. Like, it's just, it's, you know, like I said, it's just inherent to me. It's part of my makeup and who it's I am. Brie. It's Brie. I mean, you know, yeah. Brie, Brie <laughs> has to come to terms with Brie. I mean, it's who she yes. is. I'm curious because I know, you know, you meet support as well as you meet confrontation and yes. not misunderstanding. What kinds of things do people say to you when you, you say, I, I, I want to have a child-free life, and I have made a decision to permanently um, have a child-free life. What kind of response do you get? Um, there's, there's, you know, like you said, both the good and the bad. There's a lot of people that are like, wow, it's so amazing that you know that about yourself, and it's, you know, good for you, and it's better to, it would be better to have the surgery and regret not being able to have children than having children and regret, you know, <laughs> having them. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that, but then there's also some people too, like I went out with a guy several years ago and he was like, that's really messed up. He's like, mm. what kind of woman doesn't want to have a child? Mm. You know? And so like, and then, you know, all the people that are like, you'll never truly know love until you have a child or have carried a, carried a child or, you know, which everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I get that and respect that. But at the same time, like I ask that they respect my opinion too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You know, I try not to get into too heated debates with people and just, just, you know, I'm just me. I just show up and that's my truth. And, True. and uh, yeah, cool stuff. Now, let me just a moment of self-reflection. Let's just say things were a little bit different. Um, do you think you would have been a good mother? Um, I think I'd be fine. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I look at things like I'm not terribly domestic and I just really... <laughs> Like, I'm an entrepreneur. That's what I do. And uh-huh. so I'm sure I, I would make a fine mom if that's what I wanted. But because I'm so aware of not wanting it, I just, I think that, I don't know. I just, I think I'd be miserable. So no getting up on Saturdays, do the soccer mom thing and making lunches in the morning. That's just, I don't know. Well, let's put it this way. I can barely <laughs> get lunches put together for myself for a week. You know? I got you. Got you. So. <laughs> I, mean, and, I mean, and I really think, though, that that is like the ultimate 
personal responsibility that you've taken, you know, because I tell people all the time, not everybody is cut out for parenthood. And there's a lot of people who don't realize that. And, and unfortunately the child is the person that suffers because that person hasn't done their own evaluation on whether or not I should be a parent. Am I qualified? Am I equipped to be a parent? And, um, you know, you're, you're five, five years into it and you have this little child looking at you and you're like, Oh man, I I wasn't really cut out for this. So, you know, I think it's amazing that, you know, you have done the self-reflection because um, there is an innocent party that's at stake if you make the wrong decision, you know? And that's too, like with this, this blog, that's been a really good ability for me to open up that conversation because people too are like, Oh, well, you, you know, do you judge moms? for having children. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like, obviously, women, you know, in order to continue the human race, obviously, we need to continue having children. But like, my thing is, regardless of whether you do or don't want children, the important part of that is asking yourself the question. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't ask yourself the question, and then you answer it in a way that isn't the right answer for you, that's when problems happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True, true. And, and, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've seen so many mothers just not take the time, not even just to have or to not have children, but sometimes it's a matter of when to have them or bring them into your life. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, you know, it, it could be just, you know, the matter of the timing of having children and, and, you know, sometimes you're doing it with the wrong person or you're just not in the right place in life. And then, yeah. you know, that child becomes a hindrance. Cause then you're like, I could have been this, I could have did this, but now I had this responsibility, this child. So, I mean, there's so many dynamics, not only with motherhood, but parenthood that I think, um, you know, people like you, I mean, they just need to take seriously and think about it before they do or do not jump into it. Yeah, I totally agree. Cool, cool. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back and we're going to talk about the uh, Inspirational Woman Project that you got going on. Everybody stay tuned. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Bree Seeley. She is a fashion entrepreneur, and at an early age, she made a decision to live uh, child-free, and we've been discussing that today. But now I want to discuss this wonderful thing that she's got going on called the Inspirational Woman Project. And can you tell me, how did all of that come out? come to, come about? Um, it started with my fashion line, actually. So I've done, I do classically feminine women's wear, mm-hmm. um, for really iconic women. And so, um, my goal has always been to have women, you know, wear fashions that really truly represent their vibrant personalities. Um, but also really just in celebration of being women. Mm-hmm. And so I've wanted to write this blog for a while about what it means to be a woman. And so I was like, mulling over, like, how do I write such a broad, vast subject matter from just my perspective? Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I address everything? Cause obviously like, you know, there's per- certain parts of womanhood that I'm not privy to like mothering and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I ended up launching a 30 day, um, blog series on my fashion blog and asked 30 women, three different questions about what it means to be a woman and all this stuff. And I got such a great response. That's part of how, what led into me being invited to start blogging on the Huffington Post. Okay. 
So I just kept getting all these intuitions of like, it has to be taken bigger. 31 days is not enough. You need to ask more questions. And so I launched this uh, venture of completing a hundred interviews with a hundred women in eight weeks. Hmm. And I did it. So I have a hundred <laughs> interviews done and am now like compiling this coffee table book and we'll be self publishing it. And you know, it's, well, it's a coffee table book right now. I also believe that this is like the beginning of a movement. Okay. Um, okay. So, okay. and, and not to give out too much of the, the upcoming book, but what kinds of things are you, have you found that women feel defines their, their womanhood? Um, a lot of a lot of women answered that question about what it means to be a woman um, with strength. Okay. Um, a lot of them answered it regarding being creators, whether it be creating a, a life or creating a business or creating, you know, whatever. Um, so there were definitely some common threads that wove through a lot of the interviews. Okay. Um, but also some really fun, you know, crazy stories and just really humorous. <laughs> humorous life interpretations and, you know, so. Okay. So I, I'm assuming, you know, cause I find this all the time when I talk to people, you know, I kind of like, okay, I thought, you know, I was doing the most and my life was like, but wow, you know, this, this woman here was like amazing and outstanding and phenomenal or whatever. I mean, I'm pretty sure you just had a, a mirage of just wonderful stories. Yeah. And you know, the, the best thing I think has been that each and every one of them have faced hardships or, or they have, you know, watched the women in their life face hardships and learn from it or whatever, but you know, they don't let it get them down. All of them were, are still phenomenally positive and really conscious of like how they impact the world around them. Because, you know, part of my doing this project is I truly believe every single woman is capable of inspiring the world around her, whether that means you give a homeless person a sandwich or it means that you write a blog post that reaches, you know, 175,000 people. Like, I think that we all have different levels of inspiration, but what's important is that we are inspiring the world around us. Okay. Um, so that was really fun to explore and just see how each of these women identify as being inspirational. Do you think, I mean, listening to you talk and, and listening to the, the project or whatever, do you feel that, we as women are not really pulling our weight in changing the world? Um, I don't necessarily think that it's not that we're not pulling the weight. Um, the, you know, the ex exploration into having all these women self-define how they're inspirational. So many of them said to me, well, I don't think I am inspirational. Oh, like okay. that was the preface. And then I would have to dig deeper and really find, find their answer after that. But so many of us self-identify as, as like, I don't impact the world around me. I can't change the world. Okay, okay. And my thing is, like, you know, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're impacting lives like crazy. True. So how are you not changing the world? Yeah, one of my one of my women answered the question, and she said that she had a really hard time answering it because she does not identify as being an inspiration in the world. Mm -hmm. But she finally kind of sat down and processed it, and she realized, like, just because you're not Mother Teresa or just because you're not Princess Diana or whatever – doesn't mean that you're not impacting the world or touching lives or bringing inspiration to someone in some way. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the, the hardest thing that we have as, as humans is to understand that no matter how small our gift yeah. is, we do have something. You know, you might be yep. the best chocolate 
cupcake, <laughs> chocolate cupcake maker, you know, on your block. But, you know, that's your contribution to the bake sales, the fundraising. Yeah. I mean, you have your part no matter how yeah. small or big. And, um, you know, it, it's always nice to have somebody to tap us on the shoulder and say, you know what, look, you have a value to the, the totality of the situation. So, yeah. you know. And I, hey, chocolate cupcakes are interesting. <laughs> they yes, are. Very much so. <laughs> I think that, like, I just, I wonder if, like, if if all the women in the world were to have a mindset shift mm-hmm. of saying, well, I'm not inspirational or I'm not important. What if we were all to say, here's how I'm important in the world and here's how I'm going to share my gifts with others. Mm-hmm. Like, I just imagine how much different things could be if that were the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's. That's kind of a downfall of the society that we did, we live in now because we're constantly exposed to, you know, what the celebrities are doing or what so-and-so is saying. We think we have to live on this big level like yeah. them, but, you know, I'm 45, you know, generations, the heroes of my generation were like your aunt or your grandmother or whatever who did the day-to-day wonderful things or whatever. So, you know, I think it's nice that you have, you know, some refocusing on, you know, what what it is that you can contribute small or big, you know, to, yeah. to, to inspire the world to do better. So I think that's cool stuff. That's cool stuff. And you also have, um, it, it's tied into Kickstarter some kind of way? Yes. Uh, so publishing. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'll be self raising the money on Kickstarter, basically that will fund the self publishing. And so you can go on Kickstarter and pre-order a copy of the book. And then, um, all the books are actually being shipped out before Christmas. So, you know, I'm trying to make it super easy for people to be like, this would be a perfect gift for my mom or my grandma or my daughter or my best friend or whatever, you know? So, Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're looking for an actual book before Christmas. So good stuff. Yes. So you are, you're like pretty much finalized with the printing process or where, no, where are you so at? The, the printing process only takes eight weeks. Okay. So everything's formatted and everything's ready to go and everything's ready to hit send the second that my Kickstarter is successful. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So it's already, so how do people uh, find you on Kickstarter? Um, if you, it's the, if you go to kickstarter.com, you can either search Bree Seely or you can search the Inspirational Woman Project. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you the, I can send you the link if you want to post it, um, but it's a little long. Oh, okay, okay. So, but they can't find it. Is there some links to it from your websites or anything? Uh, if you go to the Inspirational Woman Project.squarespace.com, there is a link at the bottom of the page. Uh, there's links all over my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, <laughs> okay. all over the place. Okay. And unfortunately, you know, this world um, is so tied to, to finances. So to get yeah. this, this project off and in people's hands, how much money do we need? Um, I'm raising 13000 and I have about 3000 of that already funded. So cool, cool, cool just stuff. looking stuff. 10 more. That's it. Oh, it's and doable. It's doable. I mean, yeah. I saw that. I saw that guy on one of those crowdfunding stores. He raised all this money for some potato salad. So if he can yes. do potato salad, <laughs> you can do a book. I mean, come on now. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think it's a very impactful book. And the feedback oh, yeah. I've gotten from all my interviewees is that, you know, they really – oh, and then actually – I can make an announcement. I haven't really said this publicly yet, and it's actually not up on the Kickstarter either, but um, there will be actually only 99 interviews in the book. Oh, okay. Uh, The 100th interview will be blank. So, you know, my goal in getting every woman to identify with how she's inspirational 
when you own the book, you'll be able to go through the whole process yourself and then really self-identify as inspirational theoretically by the time you're done with the book. I like that. I like that. That is, yeah. that is, that is me looking at me and doing my own yep. self-evaluation and seeing, you know, how I contribute to this whole process that these other 99 women have too as well. I really like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, cool. It's one of my favorite parts of it. And I hope <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and integrate some sort of form in my website so that once people do complete the book, that they can reach out to me and share their answers with me if they want. And then hopefully I'll be able to feature them on the blog and continue the conversation because, you know, the launch of the book is just the beginning. Okay. I mean, there's, there's, there's so, so much, much more. <laughs> so much. I mean, this is a tour. This is another book that comes out. I mean, there's just so yeah. many wonderful things that could could happen from that and so many lives that could be touched because like yeah. I said there's just so many people so many women that are doing their day-to-day grind that really just discount you know right. their contributions and and that's not only say let me say this there's not only women that are doing their day-to-day grind there are loved ones husbands boyfriends girlfriends of these women that are doing it that don't even appreciate the value that they're yeah. Bring it to the table. Sometimes we do take each other for granted. So it's, it is an option. It's an opportunity, I think, not only for women to kind of say, Hey, you know, I'm amazing, but you know, the, the people in women's lives, maybe it's, um, their children or their, their loved ones to say, Hey, this woman is, you know, I'd kind of taken her for granted. She's, she's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. cool. You know, I want to, I wanted, I was hearing in the background. A little, a little kid that you do have, although you don't have kids. Have. <laughs> I'm hoping to God, I'm like, I'm like sitting here being like, oh my gosh, I hope no one can hear that. I hope that's not showing up on the microphone. Yeah. Don't feel yeah. bad. I, I have two myself. So, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Those, those are the adopted kids, you know, that yeah. you have. Uh, I tease yeah. everybody now. I say, okay, I'm kind of getting too old for the relationship thing. I think I'm going to turn into the cat lady there, but you know. I have two fur babies. Yes. <laughs> Okay. They wanted to be a part of the show today, I see. Yes. One of them is crazy right now, terrorizing all over the house. So <laughs> Say, look at me. Look at me. I know you're doing something, but you need to pay attention to me now. Okay. That's just like, like having, that's just like having a real kid. You really don't need me. <laughs> you just don't have to change any diapers or anything. Right? It's best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, dear. We're going to take a quick break, and after this, we will follow up with uh, some other stuff you got going on and, and the future for Brie. Perfect. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Don't box me in. I have been chatting with Miss Brie today, a wonderful lady with a determined spirit. Young age, she decided that she uh, wanted to live a life child-free, and we were discussing that. And we were also, before the break, discussing her project, the Inspirational Woman Project. Now, it's a book that is scheduled to release. Hopefully, we'll have it in everybody's hands for Christmas gifts. Um, I just want to make sure that we clarify, what is the best way or the only way for people to pick up a copy of the book when it comes out uh to pre-order it on kickstarter okay okay yeah so do you think afterwards um there'll be other ways or or just right now the only way okay okay so the initial funding will go towards the first publication which i will be over ordering books and so then once the initial publication is done it will go up on my website and uh 
from those books that will be available on my website, probably starting after Christmas, a portion of that will go to a nonprofit that I have yet to determine. Um, so yeah, they will be available after that, but they won't be available at all if I don't raise them funds <laughs> to, to uh, you know, get the first printing done. That 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 darn hindrance of money. I know, so, right? <laughs> so um, all throughout the uh, interview here, we've been kind of mentioning, tiptoeing around the fact that you are a fashion designer. Yes. And um, I was on your website, uh, Bree Seeley, B-R-I-S-E-E-L-E-Y.com, and saw some of the beautiful fashions um, that you have created for women. Um, how would you describe uh, your style, your fashion style? Um, so my, my tagline is uh, luxury femininity for iconic women. And so all of everything I make is all about being a woman. So it's a lot of natural waistlines. It's a lot of flowing fabrics. And it's really just playing with, with what it means to, to be a woman and then dress like one as well. Because, you know, for so long, women have had to dress like men to be taken seriously in the world. And I think we're at this juncture where we don't have to really do that anymore. And actually, I think women can be more powerful dressing like women okay. than trying to, you know, don a power suit or, or you know, things of the past so you're so. back to the femininity thing what i mean as you've traveled in the fashion industry what kind of complaints do you hear from women about you know buying fashion um what what problems do we struggle with do you find well you know the hardest thing for mo for anyone men and women alike although men have more standardized sizing than women do um is there for women there really is no standardized sizing mm -hmm. i mean I personally own jeans that range from like a size five to a size like I think 11 and you hold them all up and they're all the same, but they gotcha. each have different numbers on the inside. So that's one problem that people face. And then the other problem is there's no, I mean, no two bodies are the same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone looks at ready to wear as being ready to wear. And the unfortunate reality is that almost every single person is going to have to go get something tailored. Mm. Whether it be the length or the the rise or you know whatever, I mean it's it's really hard to create one garment that will fit you know millions of people. So um, so yeah, I know that's a common complaint among people. I have a lot of uh, girlfriends ask me to take them shopping because they can't find anything that fits, and my answer to them is I have to tailor my clothes too. Oh. So you know when you buy something off the rack, it's not necessarily meant to fit everyone. Gotcha. Just a really standardized thing. So is, is the fashion what brought you from the Midwest to Los Angeles right away or you just? Well, so I kind of, I didn't, I, I, uh, I studied in North Dakota and then I actually studied abroad for a year in Florence, Italy. And when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I actually went back to Florence and got my master's degree as well. So I spent two years in Italy and then I moved to Seattle because I was going to do costume design. I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing with my life. <laughs> and uh, spent three months doing costume design and quickly realized that it was not what I was supposed to be doing with my life and uh, got a real job and kind of stayed in, in, in Washington longer than I had planned. Um, and I've only been in L.A. for about 18 months. Okay. And when you say real job, what's a real job? I got like a nine-to-five, you know, <laughs> corporate, soul-crushing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Why was, am I here? Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> it was really good at the time. I've had some amazing bosses and you know, it the job I had gave me the flexibility to do what I do and so 
you know, I started working eight fives, but then I was quickly down to four tens and then I was working three elevens mm. so that I could have four days a week to devote to my business. And so, you know, it really gave me the flexibility that I needed to be able to start my business and really figure things out. So, so it was good. Okay. So what brought on the, the epiphany, the transition, like, okay, I'm leaving Seattle. I'm going to LA, like forget this. It was just like the the fashion industry in Seattle isn't as strong as I I wanted or needed it to be in order to do what I want to do with my brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And the weather there just totally, totally got me down. I know. It rains like all the time. I I just Every time I go to Seattle, I don't care what time of year it is, what (laughs) it is, it's like, why is it always raining here? And, you know, everyone there talks about like, oh, well, we get, you know, two or three months out of the year that are completely gorgeous. And I get that and I totally respect that. But I can't I cannot personally put myself through the nine or ten other months like I can't. I know it just kills the spirit. It kills. Oh, my gosh. Well, you move. It was a a morning in June of 2012, I believe. Yeah, it was a morning in June of 2012. And I was laying in bed just completely depressed. It was gray out. It was dark out. You know, I, I wasn't leaving my house and just so upset about life. And so I finally like was like, I'm going to give myself nine months. Mm-hmm. By spring solstice 2013, I'm going to be out of here. I'm selling mm-hmm. my house, I'm moving, and I'm getting out of out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I did. It was um, March 1st of 2013 that I landed in L.A. So, yeah. And I don't think people understand, when you are in a creative industry you have to be in a creative environment and atmosphere and um you know the wonderful thing about los angeles is the energy is just so you know it stimulates you know on all kinds of levels so yeah people you meet from the weather and all of that thing so you know it wonderful move on your part los angeles so i agree (laughs) so you um you came to to, uh, los angeles and you did the fashion full-time then that was it Um, no, I have, I actually have had my, my day job continue. Um, I was only working 10 hours a week and it continued up until about May 21st. Okay. Of this year. So I held on to it for another year and year plus. Cool stuff. So, so total, total entrepreneur now. Uh, yeah, plus or minus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It is really difficult because, you know, every penny I earn from the business, I try to dump back into the business because I'd rather the business grow. And so, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's not really a handbook and you can do all the all the seminars and webinars and all the stuff that you want. But there's no like true. This is how you be successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's it's been a lot of exploration and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And then two, like I'm so stubborn and so uh, individual that I don't want to do my fashion brand the way the other fashion brands have been built. Um, and so that adds another layer of things to like, you know, there's no formula for me right now. And I'm just, yeah. I'm trying to, trying to get, get where I'm going by my own means, basically. That's forging your own path. And I did yeah. read that all of your um, pieces are made in America. That's a commitment yes. that you've made. Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Another thing I'm super stubborn about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it would be easy. I mean, with everything that you hear, I guess it would be easy to farm some of that out. So it is. it speaks volumes to your personal commitment there. Yeah. Um, real quick question. Um, if if somebody wanted to get one of your pieces, is it a matter of me calling you up and saying, you know, I have this event, I want you to make me something, or do we go to store and pick it up? How does somebody get uh, a piece from Brie? 
for the most part, everything's available for sale on my website. Um, but you know, people can definitely email me and reach out to me and talk to me about stuff as well. Um, but everything is super easy to, to check out. I just got a new website and it's very seamless and, uh, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's under the shop button. There should be a, at the top, it should say shop and then all oh. my garments are available for sale there. Okay. So, but you do, you know, I could say, okay, well, Brie, I have a, an event coming up. I want you to make me something special. So I'd come and sit yes. down and talk to, okay, you do do this. Yep. Okay. I do custom stuff as well. I have a wedding client that I've been working with and, you know, it's consultations, it's fabric shopping, it's measurements, it's fittings, it's, you know, all sorts of stuff. That one's a little bit more involved, but. Okay. Yeah. So right now on the website, that's the only way we can pick up your pieces. There's no shop per se that there we There are go- some, there are some boutiques like spread around. I think there's a place in Alaska that has some of my stuff, a few places in Seattle that have some of my things. Um, so there are a few intermittent ones. Um, I just haven't had the time to necessarily devote myself to the sales that I need mm-hmm. to, um, in order to, have more boutiques and things like that carrying my product. Okay, so, so we, we need a Kickstarter to get a sales rep then. <laughs> I actually was talking to someone last night about a sales rep. So I'm, I'm still concurrently like working. You know, I have all these different angles that I'm trying to, to coordinate and, and, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think people really understand the whole plight of an entrepreneur. I, I say sometimes it's easier to clock in 8 to right. 5. It kills your spirit, but sometimes it's easier to <laughs> clock in 8 to 5 because the entrepreneurship is a 24-hour-a-day thing, and sometimes that's really not enough. So, I mean, yeah. I, com- I commend you for everything. I mean, I, I just was looking at some of your fashions. It's just so beautiful, so flowing, so feminine, and, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing there. Um, we are at the end of the hour. As always, um, my hours go so quick quick. Yeah. My guest today has been the wonderful, beautiful Miss Bree Seely. Please visit her website, uh, B-R-I-S-E-E-L-E-Y.com. Also, uh, inspirationalwomanproject.squarespace.com. That's correct? Yep. Okay. And I've enjoyed you so much today, dear. Thank you for hanging out with me. I wish you all Thank the you best. Thank you for having me. This was absolutely lovely. And oh. I'm going to have a book launch party in December, so I'll be sure to extend an invite to you. Okay. I'll be out there. I'll be out there. That is awesome. all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed. I'll see you all next week.